Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. When is a terror attack not a terror attack? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. When is a terror attack not a terror attack? When the terrorist is an incel. Well, I'm talking, of course, about the attack that just happened in Toronto, the Toronto van attack, um, where a 25-year-old man um, named Alec Manassian mowed down pedestrians along a sidewalk. Now, you know, it's uh, my pet peeve, as you know, if you've been listening to my podcasts, uh, is that the authorities are quick to say it is not a terror attack. Before they know what or who, it's not a terror attack, which, um, you know, is false security and dangerous, and it is um, going to be the boy who cried wolf someday when they say all that, and it is a terrorist attack. In any case, um, this judge for yourself, but this man, Alex Manassian, is, is very strange, and it hasn't 100% been um, concluded that he is not a terrorist, an ISIS inspired or Al-Qaeda-inspired terrorist, uh, but there has been nothing so far specifically linking him to any terrorist group. And I am not saying at this point that he is linked, but you know, the one thing I want to make clear is that when people, there have been a number of terrorists who have been mentally ill. And um, just because someone is mentally ill does not mean that they are not an ISIS or Al-Qaeda-inspired terrorist. In fact, People who are mentally ill, lonely, um, isolated, are more likely to be more susceptible, more vulnerable to be um, attracted to or convinced by the propaganda of terrorists. So um, this happened on April 23rd of 2018. Uh, Alec rented a van. You know, so many of the similar things to past terrorists um, and he hit pedestrians. He, uh, there were 10 people killed and 15 people injured. And, um, and he particularly chose women, which you will understand in a bit. Uh, and this was the deadliest vehicle ramming attack in Canadian history. Now, on a, a personal note, um, this past weekend, I had a booth at the LA Times book festival where i was selling my book lions and tigers and terrorists oh my how to protect your child in a time of terror it's the first and only book about terrorism for kids and there was a man and his son who came to the booth and i was showing them the book the part that's for the grown-ups the parents and teachers and the part for kids and the son was very interested in the book he wanted the book and his father wouldn't buy it for him. He said, nah, we live in Toronto. Nothing ever happens there. We're safe. Well, that was just uh, 
what, a couple of days before, in fact, this attack happened. So what's the moral of that story? The moral of the story is that um, we should not let our denial uh, stand in the way of talking to our kids about um, terrorism and um, helping them to understand and be, uh, be ready when something like this happens. Be ready psychologically when something like this happens. So um, Alec drove this car uh, over a dozen city blocks and witnesses say that he looked the victims directly in the eye during the attack and acted like he was, quote, playing a video game, trying to kill as many people as possible. And it will most likely come out uh, as, you know, he's, he's going to be going to trial and he, it will most likely come out that, in fact, he did play video games. He is charged with 10 murder murders and 13 attempted murders. Um, when after the attack, uh, he got out and he pointed a cell phone towards a police officer pretending that it's a pistol. And he kept saying to the officer, uh, shoot me in the head. Now that's a typical video game. That's what you do in video games. Um, but in any case, and what you do <laughs> and what a lot of terrorists want, uh, to have happen in terms of becoming a martyr, being like a suicide bomber. Uh, in the end, the officer restrained himself, didn't shoot him, and he went to the ground and surrendered. Um, he has no prior criminal history. Uh, he is a, he's described as a software and mobile app developer. Uh, he went to college, and he was, interestingly, he was in the Canadian Armed Forces um, and then requested a voluntary release after 16 days of recruit training. So um, the reason why that is particularly fascinating is because um, when he, he posted, he made a, a Facebook post right before he went on this rampage, and he wrote, Private Recruit Manassian, Infantry 00010, wishing to speak to Sergeant 4Chan, please, C32324-9161. The incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman Elliot Roger. Now, I'll, I'm going to get into this in a little more, but as you may remember, Elliot Roger was... Um, the 22-year-old who went on a similar uh, rampage in, in Santa Barbara, and he um, was an incel, an incel uh, meaning involuntarily celibate. In other words, these are men who feel as though women are not attracted to them, women are depriving them of sex, and they are feel a lot of rage towards women who are rejecting them. And there are names, um, Chad's and Stacy's. Chad uh, means a, a man who is, who does get all the girls, who does, is successful in his sexual and romantic conquests. And Stacy's are um, girls who uh, ignore, reject the incels. 
So um, Elliot Roger was the mass murderer in 2014. Uh, he, the killings were near Santa Barbara and he um, targeted attractive women and he became idolized after he died by this misogynistic online fringe community or communities, including incels. So that's what Alec was referring to in his Facebook post right before he ran down these people, particularly women in Toronto. Um, he has a very interesting history. Um, he was a special needs student. He was in a special needs program in his high school, and he would make meowing noises when he walked the halls. Um, he, 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 you know, the, the media interviewed a number of his classmates in high school and in college. So, for example, um, a girl who was a former classmate at Thornley Secondary School told the media she remembered him, quote, walking the halls with his hands together and his head down and making meowing, meowing noises. He wasn't a social person, but from what I remember, he was absolutely harmless. Isn't it interesting how people, whether it has to do with terrorist attacks or incel attacks or um, just, you know, individual killings, um, the people are always, most, most of the time, other than the Parkland shooter in which everyone did uh, predict that he was going to come to the school and shoot it up. He gave enough warning signals. Um, but, you know, and so many times the neighbors and friends and classmates say, oh, I never would have suspected. And of course, you know, if people paid more attention to these people, they wouldn't be able to go on and, could, and complete their attacks or killings or whatever kind of rampage they go on. Um, they also, another classmate at Thornley Secondary School uh, with Alex said he wasn't overly social and he would often be alone. Um, he, he was graduated from Thornley in 2011 before he then attended Seneca College from 2011 to 2018. Now, one of the things that's interesting about um, a bystander said after this attack in Toronto, uh, said that he was dressed in black. Now that's kind of a clue and makes one think, was he in fact influenced by a terrorist organization? Um, so we're talking about Alec Manassian, the young man who um, created an attack in Toronto that looked very much like a terrorist attack, uh, a ramming attack. But we're now going to be going more into his background um, and into all of his psychological abnormalities, which doesn't necessarily make him a terrorist, of course. But as I was saying, it makes him more vulnerable to being influenced. And terrorism hasn't 100% been ruled out. But at this point, it seems more that it's related to this incel, just like Elliot Rogers. Roger was, uh, went on his rampage. He wasn't a terrorist, Elliot Roger. Um, it was just about mainly killing these Stacys, these women who wouldn't have sex with him, and killing Chads, men who were more successful with women. So um, Elliot Roger had written on, uh, had done a YouTube video uh, vowing, quote, revenge against humanity, especially women. So... Um, you know, I was talking about how 
how uh, students um, were, were being interviewed by the media and talking about um, basically how strange um, Alec Manassian was. Um, hey, I was told you he was in a special needs program in high school. He kept to himself in college. Um, and um, he was he, he was asked about, um, well, just to go back a little bit to Roger, Elliot Roger, because he, I, I'm sure you remember this case. It was in 2014, he killed six people near the University of California, Santa Barbara by stabbing and shooting his victims. Um, he then also injured another 13 people, striking four of them with his black BMW. He was very, he was very wealthy. And, um, and then he also engaged in gunfire with police. His parents were divorced um, and he had been in therapy, but obviously uh, not, not long enough. I'm talking about Elliot Roger right now. And um, Elliot Roger in this, in this YouTube video um, before uh, his arrest, um, he, he described himself as a virgin who wanted to exact revenge on women. I mean, he, he was uh, before his, his rampage. And um, getting back to Manassian, um, he was studied at Seneca College, as I said, and they asked his classmates about him. And there was this classmate, Joseph, Joseph Pham, who said he sat next to Manassian in a computer programming class and that he saw him right before this um, rampage that Manassian went on. Pham said, I never talked to him. I sat beside him a few times. He kept to himself. He didn't really talk to anyone. He participated in class. He is, you could say, socially awkward. He said that Manassian would fidget or twitch frequently, um, but he had a knack for computer programming and he developed a Toronto Parking Authority app. It was to be able to find parking spots. So like he was, he was very smart. Um, well, I mean, you know, smart enough. He was smart technologically, um, and he, but he was socially awkward. Then there was an interview in 2009 with a woman named Sona Manassia, and they have been trying to, they think that that was his mother. They're still trying to track that down. And she described her son as having Asperger's syndrome, which would fit with all of these descriptions that the classmates from high school and college have been giving to him from meowing to, um, you know, being socially awkward to, uh, you know, having certain hand mannerisms and so on. And, um, and she, the reason why she was quoted in a newspaper was because uh, she was, they were, their, their, her son was involved in a program called Helpmate, a social service community program, and there was a threatened lack of funding, and she was talking about how important Helpmate had been to him. Um, so uh, then he, he, um, he, another classmate said that he didn't uh, in, in back to secondary school and high school. Another classmate said he didn't behave violently, but he could be seen in the hallways twisting his hands together. Um, and uh, he, would, he would also be hugging his arms around himself in the hallways in school. Um, and in Canada, apparently special needs could either be for behavioral problems or learning disabilities. 
Um, and then there was a girl, Shannon Goal, who said that he was, Alec was in her grade five class in public school, and so in elementary school. Um, and she got out her old yearbook when she heard his name being mentioned. And she says, I just remember him acting out. He would throw fits. He would always act out. And it was hard for people to control him. So all of these signs, obviously, um, are, are signs of there being um, significant problems with him. And, um, you know, this, again, this is, I've been on this, uh, on this kick recently in regard to, uh, because we've been having so many cases in, in such a short period of time of people who gave obvious signs of mental illness, who maybe had some brushes with mental health professionals. I mean, let's say Alec, for example, uh, he, you know, just the things that I've been talking about, he was in a special needs program. Uh, I have not seen that he specifically was, you know, saw, definitively saw a psychiatrist, but presumably with these various mannerisms and social isolation and so on, and being in a, in a helpmate um, special, special needs class and helpmate, a social services organization, he was in, he had some kind of a brush with mental health professionals. And, um, and, and what I'm talking about also is the Parkland shooter, um, uh, Nicholas Cruz, and the most recently, the, uh, well, before, uh, right around the same time, we had the Waffle House shooter. Um, in Tennessee, a man went into a Waffle House and shot up the patrons in the Waffle House. And he too, it turned out, has had, you know, was obviously mentally ill and had brushes or a brush with the mental health system. And yet the mental health system did not manage to, um, to uh, involuntarily hospitalize him. I mean, that certainly should have been the case with the Waffle House shooter as well as the Parkland High School shooter. Uh, that that the mental health system is our wimps these days. Uh, you know, as a psychiatrist, it really bothers me that there has uh, become this trend towards people in the mental health system, psychiatrists, other mental health professionals, being afraid to hospitalize people against their will because they're afraid of being sued by the people afterwards. They're afraid of of these um, mental health activists, uh, patient rights advocates, uh, who, who are like the PETA of mental health. Now, yes, PETA does some good things. There are some animals who are mistreated and they bring attention to that, but they also go overboard and have caused things to close like the circus and the uh, SeaWorld in uh, California um, which hasn't closed, but SeaWorld actually took away their whale, the whale um, exhibit that the PETA people objected to. And, the, and I am just devastated by the fact that the Barnum and Bailey Circus was canceled mainly because of PETA complaining about the elephants. Now, certainly it, there are hospitals, mental, mental hospitals, where in the, mostly in the past, where mental patients have been mistreated. And yes, it's great to have patient advocates, um, but 
you know, to, to the point that they frighten mental health professionals from doing the right thing in terms of involuntarily hospitalizing people who are a danger to themselves, a danger to others, or gravely disabled, results in things like these three cases that I have been talking about where people end up getting killed. Well, um, when we come back, we'll talk more about this. Um, particularly, I want to talk about the incel movement. There are some who would say that that is a kind of terrorist movement in itself. So stay tuned. Now, there are some who would say that if Alec Manassian was inspired by the misogynistic incel movement rather than ISIS, it still counts as terrorism. Well, I I'm, I'm, he certainly did, I mean, that's the thing. He certainly did inspire terror when he uh, mowed down the pedestrians, um, as did the Parkland shooter inspire terror when he when he uh, started shooting up the school, um, and certainly as did the Waffle House shooter when he started shooting up the Waffle House. So, you know, but, but do we call them terrorism per se? I mean, it's certainly not the same kind of terrorism as ISIS and Al-Qaeda, but yes, they both, they, these kinds of cases, three different cases that I'm talking about, did inspire or create terror. So, um, the, uh, it talked about his, that Alex putting on his Facebook page, you know, what his intentions were that, um, he was copying, um, Rogers, um, who, you know, became known as the, the there was actually, these incels were a, a group. I mean, that's another sort of similarity to terrorists. There is sort of a, a group um, of incels uh, who, who mainly communicated on the internet. And Elliot Roger, when he created his attack, um, that is what brought the incel movement to mainstream attention. And um, it is a community of extreme online misogynists um, that they use, this term that they use uh, to describe themselves. They are, um, according to the New York Times, that, that this paper described them as misogynists who are deeply suspicious and disparaging of women, whom they blame for denying them their right to sexual intercourse. So uh, there was a group on Reddit of incels. There were over 40,000 members. Can you... <laughs> That's pretty scary. And, you know, it's kind of ironic that um, this crime, the Toronto crime, and which is bringing out again, bringing out incels to uh, media attention again, you know, just like Elliot Roger did. Um, it's interesting that this is happening right at the same time as the case, the trial against Cosby for his misogynistic behavior. I mean, the war uh, between men and women has never been, and then of course, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's Cosby, his new trial, um, his retrial, during a time uh, that is after the Me Too and Time's Up movement. So this is a time when, um, whether it's a tr Cosby's trial and the Me Too and Time's Up, 
or this um, attack in Toronto in which the uh, perpetrator was copying Elliot Roger uh, and uh, as acting out as an incel. It's different aspects of the same misogyny in a sense. Uh, and so, you know, and to, and to hear that there were 40,000, this was just on Reddit, uh, you know, they communicate in other ways on the, on the internet. And um, Reddit actually uh, tightened up its fight against the glorification of violence against women and banned the group on Reddit. But they certainly must have found, I'm sure they found, obviously, other places on the internet to communicate. But just to think that, um, that there were that many at that time is frightening. Now, there is a growing awareness of the link between terror and violent misogyny in terms of the fact that more and more terrorists seem to have a link of, uh, or a history of domestic violence. For example, Omar Mateen, who uh, killed 49 people in the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. I did uh, check out my previous uh, podcasts about the trial um, where his wife was on trial and got acquitted, much to my distress. She, although the, the um, foreman acknowledged after the trial was over that the jury did believe that his wife knew about the impending attack, but whether it was the jury, well, it was a combination of jury instructions plus the horrible, horrible performance of the FBI and the prosecutors. Uh, they each made mistakes. And um, so the trial was, was lost. They lost the trial. She was, that even though they, the jury realized that she did know, and of course, if she knew, could have warned the police or the FBI or the, or the Pulse nightclub um, and didn't, but there was a, <laughs> something got lost in the translation between this knowledge and the verdict. So anyhow, Omar Mateen, we know that he was uh, perpetrated domestic violence against his wife. And of course, that was the main thing that the defense used uh, to try to say that, uh, she, you know, his wife, Noor, um, nor Solomon was intimidated by the FBI when they questioned her. And even though she confessed to things, it was because she was an abused woman who um, was, was easily intimidated by the FBI. And of course they didn't take a video of it, of her confessions and the, the hours and hours of confession. And that was one of the mistakes that the jury pointed out there because nowadays we expect there to be this kind of proof in a trial, and that got in the way of convicting her. Um, and then also another example is Khalid Massoud. He's the perpetrator of the Westminster Bridge attack in London, uh, which killed five people in 2017. And he apparently was um, a perpetrator of domestic violence. So, uh, you know, is can you, because they're, because it creates terror, domestic violence, and of course, these people acting against women, these incels who are a group and who um, sort of fuel each other in terms of making them have a violent rage, you know, um, 
fuel each other's violent rage against women, kind of like terrorists fuel each other's violent rage against the West, um, you, there are similarities to uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda terrorism. You know, domestic violence has, is, the point of domestic violence is control. It's men who need to control women. And in terrorists, it's terrorists who need to control the West and need to um, institute Sharia law. And of course, they like, to, they like to control women too, except for the women, well, I guess, including the women who they have, uh, who they recruit to, to work for them uh, and, be, you know, create terror attacks. But, um, but uh, you know, so there are these similarities, but it, it, it's not, so far, there is no evidence that it is ISIS or Al-Qaeda-inspired terrorism that happened in Toronto. But we do need, just like there needs to be much more attention paid to uh, the chance, the, you know, we can't be lulled into, into expecting, just like that father who didn't think he need to, needed to talk to his kid about terrorism, real terrorism, ISIS terrorism, we can't be lulled now, now that we know, again, it's been brought out again about incels, who they are and um, who they are targeting. We can't ignore that this, the increased uh, violence against uh, that there is that, you know, lurking in the shadows, these uh, self-loathing, lonely, hateful men who want to get laid and think that women should pay, these Stacys, and men should pay the Chads who take away the women from them, um, they need to be paid more attention to as well. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.